Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. everyone and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an absolute podcast. I'm your host as always John Casillo and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello everyone. Happy uh whatever name it is. Who knows? Days don't exist anymore. They're a construct. We've, we've learned this. Happy happy whatever day. Happy uh happy, day. happy Dan is officially a South Carolina resident day. Happy. <laughs> it becomes less of a joke every every week that we say it. <laughs> yeah I uh Happy locked in my home with a tiny terrorist day. Um, although at least, like I, I've said before, we, we thankfully have a, a, a decent um, daycare situation where uh, the woman who watches my daughter has one kid, just has a couple kids, and they're home with her. They don't go anywhere. We don't go anywhere. So we just kind of have an understanding that if nobody goes anywhere, um, other than dropping uh, my daughter off for daycare, then we're good. At least uh, allows me to get some work done. That's helpful. Yeah, very. But uh, the weekends are a little challenging for for obvious reasons. Yeah, uh, Dan, obviously still nothing going on uh, specifically for Syracuse, but uh, a couple things going on, I guess, like in like Syracuse adjacent news in the last couple of days. Um, Obviously, many of us in one way or another watched the uh, 2003 National Championship replay on CBS Sports. I know you got to uh, to pay attention a little bit in the background. I was paying attention a little bit in the background. Um, we don't have to go too far into it since everybody's watched it. But the one thing I will say is like, it always amazes me like every single time I watch uh, just how impressive and athletic uh, Hakeem Warwick's block is um, at the end of that game. Yeah. I mean, like it's very easy for us to like really jump out there and, and, you know, build it up as this like huge moment, but like, and very few players, especially like in college basketball, are able to make that play. It's just like his length, his athleticism, his uh, awareness uh, as to like how to recover in the zone uh, to that shot. Like we've seen, obviously, guys dip the ball in the short corner like that and, and did off shots like that so many times. And very few power forwards or forwards uh, defending the wing in Syracuse history would have been able to get over and make that kind of play. And, and he's obviously one of them. So uh, always a thrill. And I enjoyed I enjoyed uh, the Syracuse Twitter um Pretty much like kind of repli- – it was almost like it was a, a live game with how many people were watching it, which was really cool. And then obviously you had like our feed. We had the really cool uh, SU one where they got like way more people involved, including like Carmelo, uh, than I think any of us really would have expected. So um, cool to see the whole like uh, SU community kind of come together around that. Yeah, I mean some games – I feel like, you know, the Christian Leitner game got like the entirety of like college sports uh, Twitter involved – but then I think, you know, on and off, kind of depending on who the teams were, like you saw more or less involvement from the uh, college sports media looking for things to do uh, during the week and on the weekend. Um, this one, yeah, pretty well attended, obviously, by the uh, by the Syracuse media um, and fan base. Overall, it was a lot of fun. Um, like you said, we had our live stream. It was great to see um, so many, you know, former players and coaches and media show up to the uh, Syracuse University live stream that they did. Um, but yeah, Hakeem's block, just absolutely insane. I mean, I remember watching it live. I've watched it numerous times since. Um, 
but yeah, for, for him being a younger player at the time, still being able to have the, you know, wherewithal to not only like try to make the recovery, but make the full recovery, palm the ball, not make any contact with the shooter. Um, just as an absolutely incredible play still to this day. Um, and, and I think it's amazing how quickly um, a lot of, you know, non-Syracuse fans kind of gloss over it uh, when talking about like some of the biggest plays in NCAA tournament history. Yeah, I almost wonder like if that play also overshadows how good a career he had because like when when he was being put in these like brackets that we had going everywhere the last couple of weeks for like best college player, best whatever player, like he was what a two-time All-American plus had a signature NCAA tournament championship ceiling moment. Like he's one of the best college players in the last like 20 years. Like it, maybe not, you know, I'm not arguing he's the best, but right. like he's definitely got to be somewhere on like the, the honorable mentions list. Yeah, if you look at like stacking up careers, especially as, you know, one and done's become more prevalent, like I, I think too, it's tough to really like say like how to judge a player, you know? Um, like do you judge a player by like one fantastic like if one does one fantastic season trump one fantastic career? Um, does one does like, you know, two all American nods, you know, and a signature moment beat out um, you know, it being a lot being a top five lottery pick. Like I think, I think everyone has their own measures and that's how like you end up with, you know, somebody who had a really great uh, career um, get glossed over, but really him, Jerry, like two guys who had really fantastic college careers. Um, I, I feel like they do get, um, you know, passed up for, for guys who maybe had just like, and really, I, I guess it is kind of hard to find better college highlights than Hakeem Warwick, especially since he ended up going then, you know, in the first round um, of the NBA draft. But like, I, I, I do think that again, like the, the, the changing like measure of, of, of who's great and how um, does kind of get him caught up, even though I feel like he does check all the boxes. I think it's also really hard to set for people to separate college careers from NBA. Like I think, if you really want to do the best possible version of like a best college player thing, as hard as it is, you just have to throw literally everything out after he stops playing in college. Like, I just don't think that's like the right, it's right to like make that impact the argument. So like in, in the ESPN thing, um, like the Michael Jordan, one the best college player bracket, like Jordan was a really, really good college player. Um, definitely not the best college player of all time. I mean, I think, uh, I think Jay Billis was pretty clear in like his, uh, saying like it should have been Kareem um, back when he you know went by Lou Alcindor at UCLA, but uh, it's very difficult for people to like separate pro and college and everything that comes after. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, really, the only reason why um, you know Derek Coleman was able to beat Michael Jordan in the uh, in the ACC bracket was because of the uh, the pure you know petty willpower of Syracuse fans and and, and almost nothing else. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we went over that at length. Like, and, and even then, like, I think you probably give Jordan the nod, but like that one's pretty, that's pretty close. But your average basketball fan has no idea that that's a pretty close one if you're just talking college. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that, you know, as, as more of these random brackets that are coming out and keep coming out, like there's still plenty of them. I know we're in the middle of a food bracket that was much maligned. Uh, we'll leave that on Twitter. I think. <laughs> but uh <laughs> But, uh, you know, everybody's using brackets as a way to get fans involved, get other people outside the normal community involved. We're doing that. Um, we'll continue to do that. Um, yeah, you, you, you're going to see 
um, kind of context go by the wayside uh, for, for a lot of folks, just because it, it's hard, you know, especially like for teams, it's one thing. Um, I think teams can stand on their own, but players, if once you have a career after, um, after college, it becomes much harder to separate the two. Um, and I think for Syracuse players, um, unfortunately, uh, you see quite a bit of that. Um, Carmelo kind of being an exception. And then, you know, for those who want to deride Syracuse players after the fact, kind of look at, you know, guys like Johnny Flynn, who had understandable injuries, Wes Johnson, who never really materialized into the lottery pick that he was supposed to be. Um, Deion Waiters, who's obviously had his own trials and tribulations. Uh, there's plenty of other guys who who just haven't really materialized for, for one reason or another. But um, yeah, I, I think Hakeem Warwick, like you said, um, falls victim to the, like, he had a really, he had a pretty long career actually, but it just never turned into, um, you know, a first round pick um, career, I guess. So a, a debate for another day, a debate that I'm sure is going to come back up um, when, when the draft rolls around in a couple months. Yeah, I think that's another part of it. It's like, it's not even like he had a failed NBA career. He played in the NBA for like almost a decade, if not a decade. So I think most people would take that. And that's like where you, you get, you know, obviously, uh, although he wasn't as high a pick, but like him, Wes, like Wes, I think is, is, was he still in the NBA this year? So like, uh, like probably, a year yeah, ago, he might have yeah. just been, he might have just missed this past season, but like, you know, it's hard to, to really get on guys, whether or not they live up to like the standard before they were drafted when they play for 10 years, like a lot of guys don't play nearly that long. So um, yeah, it's just, you, you try not to, you know, let that impact when you're deciding these very important uh, brackets that we do, you know, especially this year where there wasn't much else to talk about, but um, yeah, it's a uh, fun exercise anyway, uh, it, no matter what they are. Like I hope people are going to be worth up about them. Uh, taking a, a glance at the t- Twitter fallout today. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a fun one. Again, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that fight to Andy um, for, <laughs> for putting out a, a food bracket that, uh, that has not won too many fans over, <laughs> especially in the, uh, in the local Syracuse media. Uh, but in any case, uh, we go from one hypothetical to another. Um, Kevin had a really good piece up today about uh, building your ultimate Syracuse men's basketball lineup. Plenty of people have like this whole like, you know, I forgot what is it like, how many dollars? Like fifteen bucks. Build your ultimate yes, lineup. Yes, general. Yeah, like like a pr- pretty pretty well uh, tread uh, idea, and uh, and Kevin kind of put a new spin on it of just $44 to build your own uh, Syracuse men's basketball team. Uh, obviously, some really great players on here. He also had the added wrinkle of you could add any other player for $2. Um, I actually think that was a little low. I probably would have gone with like 7 Uh So, you know, you had the different categories uh, of player. You had $20 for the top tier, uh, 15 for the next, then 10 5 and 4 um, and then again, any player for $2. Um, we were just praising Hakeem Warwick. Warwick was not put on here. So Warwick could, could be one of the $2 players. Again, I would have probably had it at 7 um, I know in the comments, I weighed in on mine. I think I went um, Arendana Waku, uh, Johnny Flynn, uh, Wes Johnson, Jerry, and uh CJ Fair, I think, was the other player I picked. Yeah, and CJ Fair was the other player I picked at the at the three. Um, Dan, who would you go with, um, given the uh, kind of new wrinkle that, that Kevin added here? Um, I actually totally like didn't realize Hack wasn't even on here when I was going through it, which is like 
I think you almost have to put him out for $2. It's not, it's just very difficult not to. Um, so I'm actually reorganizing mine a little bit as we speak, um, taking that into account. One second. I'm taking this like entirely too seriously. <laughs> um, Dion, but I think that gives me, yeah. All right. So much. Uh, so I went Tyler Ennis at point guard for $4. Um, just, I think he's, he's so bad, so balanced. They get uh, a lot of good play out of him. Probably not, you know, as uh, offensively explosive as Johnny Flynn, who was a dollar more, but I think better defensively. Um, and then with this, I had Dion, but I switched over to Jerry. Just give us a little more uh, offensive uh, shooting firepower, which gets us up to uh, $19. And then I think you just kind of have to take Carmelo, uh, which sends you up to $39. Um just, you know, if you're not taking 20, I think Melo's like tough to avoid. And then you put in work for two outs at power forward, and you put in, uh, I have uh, uh, Rookie Christmas as my $2 center. Um, taking the senior year rack, I think he's probably like one of the best all around options, uh, bang for your buck. So um, kind of stacked it with Jerry and Melo, and then surrounded him with uh, with some other good options. I think uh, it kind of teaches you, like, once you get off of that, like, really high tier of guys who are like in the 20 to 15 20 dollar range like we've had so many really good players that come through it's really hard to make one of these charts and not have like someone just too low yeah no i i, I totally agree i think there's like obviously if you make it like infinity amount of years too like you do start to to get into this conversation of like you know who goes where and how like that i probably would have put warwick in here somewhere um if we were able to swing it um I think too, just the, the added wrinkle does add some weirdness. Like I think you could easily I think a lot of people were trying to, you know, take a different tact in the uh, comments in this one too. And instead of uh, like making the best, I mean, they were trying to get the best team, but I think a lot of them too, were seeing how cheap they could make the best team, um, which is not usually how these things go. So I, I, I was entertained by it. I, I think that, you know, exercises like this are, are going to become pretty prevalent uh, this off season. I thought this was again, another fun one. Um, that I'm glad Kevin did because I think, you know, there, there's kind of an endless amount of permutations here depending on um, depending on what type of team you want. I know with my team, I went with a team that could really run. Um, Johnny Flynn really was the only player in there that couldn't uh, defend all that well. Um, and if you wanted to, you know, sub in, sub in an Ennis or, or Jason Hart, uh, you could have done that, I think, and still, uh, still fit within the budget um, on mine at least. Yeah, I think this also is like very telling in terms of like when you really go from on Syracuse basketball, you're going to naturally uh, shade your picks to that because like obviously I know Billy Owens is really good. I've seen highlights, I've seen like a couple of full games, but I didn't get to see like you know ninety or a hundred games of Billy Owens. I saw every single game that obviously Tyler Ennis played and and uh, a lot of the other guys on here, uh, uh, Dion, CJ. So uh, it's hard not to. Uh, it's hard not to shade it towards like when your Syracuse fandom was most prevalent. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I think other guys I named, uh, I think everybody, I think yeah, everybody except Jerry was the only player that, that I didn't see play when I was at school, but Jerry graduated the year before I got there. Well, I guess the year I got there, but the season before my first season on campus. So yeah, I, I think, I think there was definitely some trending to that one, but still fun. Definitely, uh, definitely a good exercise. Um, you know what? Why don't we uh, do a little bit of early halftime here? 
and uh, talk a little bit about beer before we jump into the the rest of today's topics, Dan. Cool. Yeah, uh, I've still been sticking with the local stuff. Uh, I finished off uh, the sits pack of the uh, Steel Hands Tropical IPA and then another sits pack, and that was also finished by me and the other people I'm staying with. And then I also had a couple of the uh, Westbrook Doses, which I'm now working on. So not a lot of variety because I haven't been, like, stocking up on a ton of beer every time I go, but I'm trying to grab at least, like, a new sits pack every time I uh, get over to Publix once a week or so, trying not to – Try not to be out in public too much, but, you know, I think we've been doing about weekly grocery runs, and that's worked out. So hopefully they'll keep on expanding there as long as I'm down here, which who knows at this point. There. Yeah, I, uh, I've i been doing weekly. I just go on, like, Sunday morning um, before things get too crazy um, for groceries. But for beer, um, I've been doing local delivery uh, from breweries uh, to, you know, help do my part, at least, and limit how much I'm out. Um from Highland Park, um, we got some crossbow pills that was really, really good. Um, almost as good as Timbo pills, a, a beer I've raved about from them. Um, and then finished up my last crowler of a quarantine machine from uh, from Smog City. Uh, have some more stuff from Highland Park actually getting delivered tomorrow. So we'll have more to share there. Um, again, not too much variety, but nonetheless, um, drinking, drinking some good local stuff. And uh, I still haven't run through my... Uh, my, my stockpile of uh, mango Bud Light Seltzer yet. So I'm sure we'll get to that. The, the staple, obviously. <laughs> the, the, new, the, the new favorite beer. Again, it's not as bad as you think it might be. Yeah, I'm looking and it doesn't look like any of the breweries are delivering down here, but they're all doing like to-go stuff. So maybe I'll, I'll see if I can grab a car and, and do a little bit of a hit up some of the breweries and grab some cans. We'll see. Very nice. Um, so some other like news, I guess. Um, Caesars uh, Sportsbook released their um, over-under win totals for every team in college football. Um, the one that we care about most, at least for this show's purposes, are the ACC's. Um, Syracuse uh, over-under was set at five and a half, which was kind of where everybody settled in initially last year. Um, one idiot that writes for a certain blog said that that was a joke and that you should definitely bet the over. Um, he did not, however. <laughs> so you can guess who that idiot might be. Um, but in any case, now you uh, now you get to have a much different quandary with this five and a half uh, win over under. Dan, are you as anxious to uh, to bet the over this time around? <laughs> Um, I will say I'm less anxious to bet the over this time, but I remain pretty optimistic. Um, I think this number is pretty, pretty on where you would assume a number like this should be for Syracuse. Um, but I'm like, I'm less like super bullish on it, like super confident that we'll, we'll hit the over, although I still think so. Um, but, uh, yeah, I have to go through the schedule and see where I think we wind up. It is it is nice that our floors seem to have raised. It, was like there was a, a, it wasn't that long ago where every year when these came out, it was like three or four and a half. Yeah, I think, too, it helps that, like, SU just smartly scheduled in a manageable fashion uh, for the non-conference schedule this year. Um, having, like, e- even with a road game in there, like, well, two road games, I believe. Yeah, it's two road games. Like, having Western Michigan and Liberty and uh, Colgate and Rutgers. Like it's still pretty manageable, even if this team is worse than last year's. And and some of the advanced metrics might indicate this team's going to be worse than last year's group. I don't think they will be, 
Um, if only because I, I don't think the offensive line is going to be as bad. And I think that's going to help alleviate a lot of the problems on the offensive side of the ball, um, as well as some of the coaching changes. Uh, in any case, we'll, we'll, we'll get into a lot of that um, stuff as the, uh, as the off season wears on and we get into like the real off season, um, assuming there's going to be a, uh, a season come, uh, come the fall. But uh, looking down the Atlantic division first, um, just giving everybody the over-unders for each. Uh, Clemson, 11.5. Florida State, 7.5. Louisville, 7.5. Wake Forest, 7. Syracuse, 5.5. Boston College, 5. NC State, 4.5. Um, I think that that's, that's fair tier-wise. I think Wake Forest is being given a little too much of the benefit of the doubt at this point. Um, I know like we don't throw as much shade at the Deeks as we do at NC State and Pitt on this program, but at the same time, I do feel like Wake Forest under Clawson has gotten like to a level of like mental dependability and they are a good team, but they've gotten to a level of dependability among, uh, among media um, that like seven, I mean, obviously like Caesar Sportsbook isn't media, but it feels like everyone's kind of like just bought into Wake Forest now as a permanent, like six, seven win team at minimum. Um, I think they could take a, a significant step back this year. I think that still might net them six wins, but uh, that seven is an intriguing one for me. Um, on the coastal side, uh, Miami is uh, first with nine, uh, North Carolina at eight and a half, Virginia Tech eight, Virginia six and a half, Pitt six and a half, Duke five and a half, uh, Georgia Tech three. I think Georgia Tech, that might be low. Um, everybody else seems pretty accurate. I think North Carolina might be trending a little high. Um, and I wouldn't be shocked if that line drifts back down a little bit more towards like seven and a half or eight, uh, depending on the action. But and any anything else kind of stand out here? No, I was I was with you on Wake Forest. I think they're the ones that jumped out pretty early. As um, there's a very good chance they fall down to five or six wins this year, and seven just seems a little bit high. I think if it was six, five and a half or six, uh, I think I'd be a little uh, more cautious about that. But I'd be interested in betting that if I was in a state that had legal betting, as I normally am uh, frequently, but not at the this moment in time. Um, and then in the coastal. I'm afraid I, I, I think the Miami height, like Miami at nine is pretty high. Honestly, uh, they just haven't proven it consistently enough. Uh, UNC, I'd probably just avoid. I, I agree with you that I think they're kind of like the, they're the team getting a lot of hype this year. And like, I think they could look at like a seven win year that would usually be fine for where they are and, and seem disappointing. Um, and then uh, Georgia tech, I think they're going more than three. Like they, they showed, they showed some like, really solid first year in a massive rebuild performance. Like they were better last year than they should have been, even if the wins didn't reflect it. So I, I would go over on them as well, as you said. Yeah. I mean, Collins is a really good coach. Um, the, the, the one benefit, uh, well, well, one big thing I saw in here was the fact that, you know, three teams on SU's schedule um, and two of them are at home um, have fewer projected wins than us. Uh, BC at five, NC State at four and a half, Georgia Tech at three. Um, we're facing the Wolfpack and the Yellow Jackets at the Dome uh, or whatever the hell we're calling it. I'm assuming it's still going to be the dome, at least for now, uh, this year. It's not going to be the dome. The Wegman Edifice, sponsored by KeyBank. Um, but yeah, I have, uh, I know when I went through the exercise like earlier in the season, I said 6.33 wins. If you're looking at win probabilities, I'm still going to trend towards there. Um, honestly, like if we were facing almost anybody else in the first two games, um, I'd be very, very concerned about Syracuse's uh, bowl prospects. The only thing that gives me some sort of peace of mind here is the fact that Rutgers and BC are first two opponents in the opposite order. Um, 
are replacing their entire staffs. And I think that there's enough, like there's enough hitting reset there and, and, and enough of a question about, you know, returning talent that I think we can win both of them, but I'm not like, Definitely not overly confident. I'm also far less confident in that fact than I was even like a month ago. Yeah, I, I think that's. Oh, I just, I now just did the correctly unmuted myself. Thought I had done the mute myself when I thought I was unmuting myself, and then re unmuted myself. Uh, we're we're firing <laughs> in all cylinders here. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm really glad. I I'm not t- totally convinced that like Greciano is going to be like the great savior of Rutgers a, a second time, but. I do expect them to eventually be more like a lot more competitive than they have been since he left the first time. Um, I'm glad we're getting them early. I'm glad we're getting BC early. As you said, I think this schedule, as you alluded to earlier, like it just, it might set up uh, a much more successful year win wise, even if like we don't take a huge step forward on the field. And if we do take a a big step forward in the field, like, you know, maybe we'll have another really nice season. Um, But we might like, this is one of those schedules kind of designed to like get you over the hump to, to bowl eligibility. If you're at all, in the bowl eligible type team range. So hopefully we don't have a stumble against like a Western Michigan or a Liberty because like we should, I think on, on paper, uh, win our four non-conferences uh, and pick up that BC win early. And that sets you up for a, a really solid, like just, just figure out a way to get to six. And, and, you know, what we saw a couple of years ago, like you get to six and then, then you just off to the races, hopefully um, the ACC, you know, shouldn't be, I think it'll be better than it was last year, but it shouldn't be like monumentally better. So. Uh, I'm still I'm, I'm optimistic, but uh, after last season, cautiously so. Yeah, I mean, you know what? If Dino had brought back everybody on the coaching staff, if we weren't like, I think replacing some some pieces with I think really good talent, um, I, I would definitely be a lot less uh, a lot less positive. I think the fact that NC State's got to hit reset. Um, still, I think like NC State's kind of in like a two year like regression back to like where you and I and some others had them <laughs> for years when they were figuring out how to win six or seven games. Um, I think BC is doing the same and they're in year one of that potential regression. Um, I think Pitt, you know, I, I think Pitt's still Pitt, but I, I don't, I just don't believe in Narduzzi and I'm probably never going to. Um, and then, yeah, Georgia Tech, like I think they're better than three wins, but I don't think they're a bowl team. Right there, like if you can if you can eke out, you know, two of the four teams I just mentioned, you're you're potentially bowling as long as you went four and zero. The non conference SU has also managed to upset a team every year, so like there's a potential for that. Um, you know, Wake Forest would count as an upset again if that happened again. Um, there's Louisville, you know, coming back to the dome. Florida State um, coming back to the dome. I don't think we're going to be on the same field or even the same galaxy as Clemson this year, but. You know, we're we're headed down uh, down there later this season. Like there's there's a path, and it's not that dire. But at the same time, like when like a lot of people probably read over, you know, what Bill Connolly put up. Um, his his like days dedicated to teams are now more like a tweet thread of some certain uh, things to watch. And like the advanced numbers absolutely hate us this year, and and they're probably going to. Um, for a while until, until the current players are able to, uh, to show some production and not just production, but, but efficiency, which is something that's really eluded them and even eluded them in 2018. Um, when we were, we were obviously a, a pretty decent team. Yeah. I think, uh, until we like prove that we'll, you know, you know, if you, if you're winning games, I think you can like look at those numbers and, and we do a lot, um, to kind of tell like a deeper story, but like, I think, 
I'm not super worried about it until we get to the season. So we'll, we'll see what happens with uh, with Bill C's. But there, there are very justifiable reasons why, based on his model, we don't project out well this year, and how why we haven't projected out well um, for like a couple of years where we were we were pretty decent. So it's not it's not worth getting uh, super worked up about. It, I don't think at this at this point, especially. Um, but yeah, and, and even Florida State, like we didn't mention, they have a new coach with Mike Norvell, who I think will do a good job, but. Um, he's not going to just like plug in what they were already doing with Taggart. So there might even be uh, opportunity there for an upset uh, if they have a bit of a rocky transition. And if they do, like it's kind of unfair, but Norvell, I think kind of needs to get off to a fast start because that, that fan base just can't deal with uh, more hard resets really. And they, they might end up getting it. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely buy into Norvell and I think he's going to do a really good job. Um, I think, I think though they, they definitely need to probably set expectations closer to eight wins as like a high this year um, because if they start buying into some sort of like, you know, reload, not rebuild idea, like it, it could go South in a hurry. And, and, and I think Florida state a couple of years ago, really um, I know, Bud Elliott's talked about this at length um, where a, a lot of the issue for them, I think in Taggart's first year was that they really focused in on a lot of the a guys and, and UCLA did this too. Um, and some other teams did, but like they missed on a lot of their a guys um, in 2018 um, and then didn't really have enough, you know, of a foothold with, with, with the, you know, option B's and C's um, to, to close on enough of them. So like disappointing class there. And really like you look back at the recruiting numbers of, of, of you know, the Jameis teams and at the end of the, and at the height of the Jimbo uh, Fisher uh, era was like that, those Florida state teams were recruiting at a top 10, top 15 level. Um, and they had a ton of, uh, of, of NFL talent on the rosters. And like, that's why they were so damn good. Like it wasn't just because it was Florida State; it was because Florida State stocked with future NFL players. So, like, you know, th- th- this is going to take a little bit of time, and 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 I think Norvell can get there, but um, I think he's going to have to show progress. So that means you know seven, eight wins this year, um, and you know nine or ten the following. The problem is like, what do you what what do Florida State fans do if he doesn't get there? I think he'll get a little bit more room than Taggart, if only because Taggart's twenty eighteen team cratered. Um, but I, I don't think he's going to get, you know, so much wiggle room that, that, that he's got more than three years to get them to double digits, unfortunately for him. I think that's probably right. It's, it's, he, he, he definitely gets like a year free pass no matter what happens, I think. But I, I think even year two, he needs to at least show like a real legitimate signs of progress and looking like you're heading towards where Florida State expects to be, which is tough. It's a tough situation to, to take over. Um, but I think it's part of the reason why Tagger got that opportunity and they, you know, probably didn't get uh, there. There, there are interesting, it's interesting Tagger hadn't done a job like this earlier. And I think he and Florida state kind of met in the middle when both probably expected to get, uh, maybe he didn't expect to get a job as big as Florida state, but there's a reason why I think they both ended up being like on each other's radar at the point they did. Yeah, I agree. And I think too, like, you know, no offense to Tagger, do I think it done well um, at various stops, but I think, what happened at Florida state almost like proved why he didn't get a Florida state job before that. And like, I think he did a really nice job at Western Kentucky, um, but it did take some time. I think USF, he did a really nice job there eventually. um, But it did take some time. Like I don't Florida state, like, like I think the admins of Florida state probably should have looked over the track record and seen like, yes, he he didn't do a bad job at, at, at Oregon by any means, but like, the track record shows that it takes him some time to build something, even, even in a talent rich area, like, you know, for USF, like where he had access to, um, 
you know, uh, really great local recruits and, and Florida recruiting overall, and was able to, um, you know, w- without much effort, take home one of the top like five to seven G5 recruiting classes every single year. Like it still took him some time to build that. And, and if everyone recalls, like, if not for, you know, knocking off Syracuse w- w- when they did, like he was potentially going to lose his job that week. Um, I believe that was 2015 or 2016. Um, I want to say 20, it was 2015, actually 2015 that that happened. And like, I think if you're Florida state, you see that and know it's not apples to apples because like not every single coaching, you know, arc follows itself for the same guy. Like it depends on a lot of things, but knowing that it took him a while to build, um, at his previous stops and knowing the Florida state is a much different animal that's not going to give you time. Like I, I am curious, like what informed that decision that it was going to work out. And then, and then when it started to not work out that like the decision to not give him time to turn it around. It was, it was weird, especially cause like at Oregon, even he obviously, I think he won seven or eight games his first year there, his only year there, but like, obviously that's a much different situation than USF or Western Kentucky where it did take him a little bit of time, but then he really had things rolling. Um, but you know, that's, that's what you get when you take one of those jobs. It's, it's a pretty big risk. You have to perform early, um, whether or not that's fair. Uh, and we'll see, cause like even Norvell, um, you know, he did a really, really good job at Memphis, but he inherited uh, a really good situation at Memphis coming off of his, uh, I think he was OC at Arizona state before that. Um, Fuente really did the, the groundwork and I think he definitely elevated that, but he steps into a much different situation than what he's accustomed to. Um, so it, that'll be a fascinating one this year, uh, knock on wood that we have football to enjoy this year that Florida state fans have football to, to freak out over this year. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm interested in the league as a whole. I think it's, it's in a very interesting place, especially with a lot of these teams, um, Syracuse among them who, who do seem to be like kind of caught in the middle of, of, uh, of stages at this point. Um, NC state, especially we brought up earlier who seem to have really, uh, you know, they had their, they stated on their, their like seven or eight wins every single year, no matter whether or not the expectations were lower or higher. And now they finally look like their, their expectations are set to crater. Um, and seeing how, how Doran handles that, like, it wouldn't shock me. It seems like he's been trying to get out of town for like two or three years now. Um, so it should be a very interesting season in the ACC overall. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's a lot to talk about with Doran. Uh, Doran, when we get to uh, the NC State preview, well, again, there really isn't like an NC State preview um, week on the show. Uh, I think when I write the NC State, like early preview, we'll talk about him a little bit and how he probably should have like, you know, taken a plane out to Tennessee or taken up and some people up at some offers uh, and, and try to sell high a little bit. Cause now I feel like it's going to take him a while to get back there. But in any case, uh, one last thing we wanted to do while we're here, um, everyone's doing, you know, random Twitter memes turned into articles about like, you know, you can only pick three, you can only pick whatever. Um, we did one last week that, that went over pretty well around what if, uh, for Syracuse events, um, when I'm doing for Tuesday or Wednesday this week is a uh, pick nine ACC teams. Um, a lot of old school ACC fans want the conference to go back to a smaller group. Uh, that smaller group for them at least would not include us, um, but we're not them. They're not us. So figured why not challenge people to pick nine teams uh, out of the current ACC 15 to, uh, you know, build your own uh, slimmer uh, all sports conference. So you know, if you'd rather just be a big football conference, then sure, build it that way. If you'd rather be a basketball-focused league, sure, build it that way. But if you'd rather do an all-sports league that uh, that excels across the board, like, 
I think that's where this gets a little bit more interesting, a little bit more challenging for folks. So, um, Dan, uh, why don't we, why, why don't we draft kind of three teams at a time, um, and kind of talk about why we pick them. Um, and then that way, like this isn't boring content necessarily, but we, we, we hopefully get at least some variation in here. Okay. You might go first. So, uh, yeah, if you want to go first, if you feel like you got a couple teams in mind. All right. Uh, if I'm taking three, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to, I'm just going to get a good fo- football foothold here. Uh, I'm doing Clemson, Notre Dame with football and Florida State. Um, I think, uh, especially like Florida State and Notre Dame can, can hold their own in basketball as well. But I think, you know, you want the football to be the, the, the moneymaker here. Um, basketball will come. And obviously, Syracuse, I think we're both including. You don't need to. Worry about depicting us, so we'll we'll hopefully help uh, help carry the football, the basketball side of things as well. But definitely going to keep those as a, uh, a foothold. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, I guess my first three picks again, assuming Syracuse is already off the board for both of us. Um, so really, only we only have to do, I guess, in this case, three, three, and then two, because again, SU's the other team. Um, my three that I'm picking here would probably be. Um, I'm gonna go. Notre Dame, uh, Clemson, and Duke, actually. Um, Notre Dame is a great all-sports member uh, in the ACC. They were back in the – we were in the Big East together, too. Um, Duke actually does a really nice job um, across most sports, um, has a really successful athletic department, um, one of the more recognizable athletic brands, um, and watched by a lot of casual fans, which is uh, critical for any uh, fledgling um, conference network. They're also really good at basketball. Uh, Clemson, obviously – uh, very good at football, um, decent at some other sports uh, more than others. Soccer in particular, they're pretty good at. Um, and obviously one of the uh, the football powers in the country right now. So uh, not a bad not a bad school to add and one that could potentially eventually have some basketball upside. And if not, um, well, we get uh, we get two body bag games a year, I guess. Cool, yeah. Uh, I think we're going to probably end up with similar lists. Um, I'm going uh, for my next three. I'm going to go uh, Duke, UNC, and Louisville. Um, obviously, this is a big basketball play, although Louisville and UNC to an extent, especially, you know, hopefully in the next couple of years with, with Howell there, um, building on a nice year, will bring some football eyes as well. Uh, Louisville, obviously, is a, a really nice rival for us, probably one of our better rivalries. Uh, you know, it's probably a better rivalry, honestly, than like BC or Pitt. Um, and we don't talk about it as much, but it's pretty natural uh, from the Big East. Um, Duke and UNC, obviously one of the best rivalries in sports. Uh, I know everyone's going to hate me for admitting that. It just, you know, it gets a lot of attention. So I think it's good for the league to bring both of them along. Um, and Duke's not, you know, a terrible football school either at this point. So uh, I think uh, those are my my next three. And then the last ones are, are I think, the most interesting debates. Yeah, for sure. Um, on my end, I'm going Florida State, North Carolina, and Virginia. Um, I think that, you know, North Carolina is another great all sports member. Um, they have, they always have the potential to be really good in football. Um, they are usually very good in basketball this year aside, um, Florida state, obviously you're taking for the football strength, uh, to get a pretty solid, uh, three team set up, um, on the football side with, with, uh, with Clemson, Florida state and, and Notre Dame, um, competing at the top of the league every year. Florida state's also been really good in men's and women's basketball of late. Um, so obviously credit to them. Uh, Virginia too, um, is added because of their all sports prowess, um, across sports that both matter and don't. Um, I think they win like squash championships pretty regularly as well as tennis. If, <laughs> if they don't actually win squash championships pretty regularly, like they do though. 
They do, like in their, in, in their heads, they certainly do. Um, so obviously Virginia is pretty good at, uh, at basketball. They're reasonably good at football. There's, there's definitely things that you can, there's definitely things they can hang their hat on. Um, even if they're not the best school in, in, uh, in any of the, the, uh, for-profit sports. Um, I know they're also a very good, uh, lacrosse program on both the men's and women's side. Like, again, th- th- there's plenty to like here and, uh, you'd be hard pressed to leave the who's out. Um, but now with only two slots to go, Dan, who are your picks? Yeah, so this was really a tough one. Um, I immediately struck out the op- ideas of our, our actual rivals, BC and Pitt. I just don't care that much about either of them. Uh, they're very boring. Um, and then Wake Forest as well. Uh, I have some affinity towards Wake for other reasons, but they're also very boring. Um, so I end up going Virginia and Miami. Um, I think kind of Miami and, and Georgia Tech, you kind of debate between like Atlanta and the city of Miami. I think Miami just still has... Whether or not it's earned at this point, like a little more cultural uh, cachet, um, a little more potential. Um, so I'm taking them. And then Virginia, I think it's just like, you know, you, they have a basketball championship recently. It's hard to beat that. Um, and I, I, I'm kind of taking Virginia over uh, Vatech and then NC State's probably like a second, second team out there um, from the end. But uh, I think you can kind of debate between those five, but I'm going Miami and Virginia uh, as, as my two finalists. Yeah, I think it's fair to, to eliminate BC and Pitt immediately. Um, both just trash. Um, both provide even I, I would argue that at least one of them provides less value to this league than than Syracuse does. I think they might um, both. I, I think both. I think yeah, I mean, BC, they both do. I mean, BC has like more scholarship, like more uh, scholarship teams than like anybody, and they're not good at any of the sports save like men's hockey, and even that's like fallen off of late. Um, I'm going to go with Georgia Tech and Miami. Um, so that means I'm leaving Louisville and Virginia Tech out most notably, um, in terms of like first teams out. Um, I do feel like Virginia Tech, like, isn't a very good athletic department and largely coasts on like the Beamer era of, uh, of the football program and Michael Vick. Um, and if not for that, they would just be a school in the middle of nowhere. And that's not to slight them as much as it is to just say, sorry, like this is a Syracuse uh, exercise. And, and, you know, I think the Hokies would beat Syracuse into this nine team league. Um, if, if, if things were fair and just and, and not run by us, but since it is run by us, I, uh, there's no room for the Hokies here. I think that, uh, getting Miami and Georgia tech, they're two big brands. Um, they're in two big cities. Um, if Miami ever decides to get their act together again in football, um, that's a pretty good top four um, year in and year out with Clemson, uh, Florida State, and Notre Dame. If Georgia Tech ever gets their act together again, there's another strong – like I think this is a strong football league that has like some basketball prowess. I understand that leaving Louisville out is probably not a great idea. But I still think this basketball league can like keep it together, don't you? I mean, I, I know on your side I think it does. I think on mine like maybe. Yeah, I think uh, I think Georgia Tech, like on paper, makes uh, should be better, and I think Louisville just has a longer track record of being better, and that's why you know I, I penciled them pretty early. Um, that being said, like who knows what happens? Louisville's definitely a little more volatile, I think, um, but I think they've all, overall proved their worth and have probably moved on pretty effectively from those volatile eras, even though it took them a while to do so. Agreed. And yeah, so now you end up with a uh, a group of 
Boston College, at least in my case, Boston College, Louisville, NC State, um, Pitt, Virginia Tech, and Wake Forest. They invite UConn, UMass, and, <laughs> and like one or two other American athletic teams and start their own league. Or um, the more likely scenario, the SEC grabs Virginia Tech and NC State. Um, Wake Forest ends up somewhere. Boston College and the Patriot League. Yeah, yeah, BC and Wake go to the Patriot League. Uh, yeah, NC State and Virginia Tech go to the SEC. Um, Louisville ends up just kind of hanging around. <laughs> they just try to restart the Metro Conference, but nobody else wants to join. Um, and Pitt gets invited to the Big 12 for some reason. That would be a very Big 12 move. Like Actually, the Big 12 kicks out. Big 12 kicks out West Virginia for Pitt. Oh God, that would be that would be a terrible move. I think. Yeah, that would be a terrible move. I actually think West Virginia's got a lot more like going for them. In terms of it's like, actual, like yeah, it's like more of like just Pitt. Pitt like should be better. It's just it's just hard to incite it about them. Yeah, I agree with that. Pitt is a. I think that's really the biggest issue with that like quote unquote rivalry is that we can't get excited about that matchup in any way, shape, or form. It's it's very and, it's, it's, and, and it's Pitt's and it's Pitt's fault. It's not the fact that it's not like because <laughs> we're interesting. You're no, no, we are interesting year in and year out. Like sometimes it's in a bad way, but like we're. I think probably interested. most of the time it's in a bad way, but at least it's something. We're definitely like more yeah. chaotic, <laughs> and I'd rather be in college football. Chaos sells. Like, <laughs> yeah, like people find it interesting. Like realistically, like Pitt's just Pitt. Like, like they just show up, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, and Pitt causes some chaos, admittedly. Like for elsewhere, but for some reason, like their overall like athletic brand just doesn't really like scream to me good because they're not really good at any other sport at this point. But like football, where they're a six or seven win team, and then like everywhere else, they're kind of like hanging out in mediocrity. Yeah, it's uh, it's bizarre because like there should be a plenty of like talent in that area. You're so close to Ohio, Pennsylvania has plenty of athletes. It's just outside of like occasional eight win football seasons. Especially like with how basketball's created, it's it's tough to it's tough to really uh, sell yourself on them. Agreed, agreed. I, I can't wait to post this article so that uh, Pitt fans lose their goddamn mind. I feel like Pitt fans like hate us like vehemently like once a year, and I feel like uh, I feel like this this week we're we're gonna we're gonna get that day. I mean, what else is there to do? <laughs> exactly. M- might as well rage. Um, Dan, anything else before we go this week? I feel like this has been a. Uh, a ramshackle sleigh of uh, of random ideas that are all actually related to Syracuse. Um, I mean, Alan Griffin transfer was probably was pretty big news uh, that came like right after the 03 re-air. So uh, we'll see what happens with him. Obviously, it's still up in the air whether or not he'll be immediately eligible based on the vote. Um, but on paper, he's a good ad. So that, that could be very exciting. Yeah, and obviously there's a lot of other great transfers out there. Um, you know, Syracuse did not end up uh did not end up getting um you know patrick tate or is it tape i assume it's tape because it's uh there's a there's an accent on the e oh, there's an accent yeah well, tape. yeah but yeah after after decommitting from duke he recommitted to duke um so you know no tape uh for us but there's plenty of other players out there i know there's some other uh bigger names just can seemingly keep getting added to the transfer portal um 
hopefully we can grab a big man and like a, a really nice like shooting wing. I know Griffin could potentially be that shooting wing, but um, given the amount of departures, given the uncertainty about Robert Braswell sticking around, um, I, I do think that SU probably needs to uh, needs to make some serious additions here in a nice push to uh, to hopefully make it back to the NCAA tournament this coming season. If we want to go, uh, if we want to go to get Matt Harms, who apparently we've reached out to you from Purdue, the I think he's like seven two center, who's a pretty good player. Um, Do it. Hopefully, he knows Jesse Edwards. He knows Jesse Edwards. We could have a, a dual windmill front court. Um, I'd be very for this. Yeah, sign me up for that. Because um, I, I, th- I think the basketball program could use like could use a, a deluge of good news. Um, so if, if we want to do people, that, I think it's uh, all we've ever needed. I'm, I'm I'm sure there is some sort of like untapped uh, like Dutch history for Syracuse that like has largely been like unexplored to this point. Uh, in all likelihood, there is. I mean, they, they had an undue influence on New York State early on, so I think it's just it, it just makes all the sense. And 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 the uh, and the Dutch have a an affinity for the color orange. This is also true. Yeah, so he uh, you've probably if you've watched Purdue at all, like you've noticed Matt Harms. He's a uh, he averaged like uh, just under nine points and five rebounds, but you know, he only plays about 20 minutes per game. I mean, I think he'd be a really good addition, even if he's only playing 25, 30 minutes, like just, just having bodies in that front court who can effectively play and getting, if we get 40 effective minutes between our like three or four guys at center, I'd be very happy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Instead of trying to get one dominant guy, just go the uh, Voltron move and, and just see if we can get like three, get one effective center out of three guys. That works. I'm about it. Um, well, Dan, it's been fun as always. Um, stay safe down in South Carolina. I hope everybody else listening stays safe as well. Yes. Keep on doing what we're doing. It seems like, you know, the early signs are maybe this stuff is working. So uh, that's good. Just just stick at it. And, you know, we'll, let's, let's, let's all put on ourselves to football this fall. We know they're going to yeah. try. They're going to do everything they can to, to make football happen. Let's do our part, and we can all say football season happened because of us. Agreed, agreed. Uh, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Troy Noons and Absolute Podcast. You can rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, on Megaphone, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever else you listen to podcasts. Again, please, please rate, review, and subscribe if you can. And uh, go Orange. Go Orange. <laughs>